Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, everybody. Super glad that you have joined us today. Uh, Wherever you're watching from, whatever time that you're watching, we are continuing our series called Possessing the Promise. We started this series last week, um, and it is all about the book of Joshua, really to see how he led the Israelite nation into the promised land after waiting so long to get there. But we realize that this book is actually a continuation of the story of the nation of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And once they finally escaped slavery, after all this time, they continued to have a rough go of it. Because of their failing faith and regular disobedience to God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years years without any sense of direction, without any sense of progress, and without reaching the land God had promised them. It had been a long journey. But in the book of Joshua, we see a kind of a turn of events where the Israelites, they finally possess the promised land and reach this milestone after all this time. But what we see is that it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come quick. And they have to go through many hard things and many hard battles to get to that point. Last week, we kicked off our series in Joshua chapter 1, where we saw the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is the new leader uh, whom God has appointed, whom he has called for the task of leading the nation of Israel into the promised land. And it wasn't like a quick or random decision. Joshua had been Moses' assistant for years. So with his experience, leadership, and under God's authority, he is ready for the task. Today, we're going to move into Joshua chapter 2 to see one of the first tests that Joshua has as uh, the leader of the Israelites. And what we learn is that Joshua, he secretly sends out two of their spies across the Jordan River around the city of Jericho because that was the first major city that the Israelites set out to conquer. From Joshua's perspective, he would be attacking a heavily guarded and secured city that was incredibly protected, that it was incredibly covered. So he needed strategic information about the city for the upcoming battle. So he sends out two spies to do this, to scout out the land, to get a handle of the situation, and to see what is going on over there. Now, he does this secretly because, well, really without drawing much attention to it, because he knew that he might have drawn some criticism from the Israelites because, one, he just stepped into leadership. He just stepped into this role. And two, the last time Israel sent spies somewhere under Moses, it did not go well. So while he knew that it was the right move, it was the right decision for him to do, he really couldn't move ahead without this information. He didn't want to confuse people or make a big deal about what he was doing. So he sends the spies out quietly. And when they got there, they stopped at a woman's house for the night after their travels. We know that this woman's name was Rahab. And Rahab happened to be a prostitute. So you may be thinking... 
then why did they stay there? That seems a little weird. Well, as a prostitute, she actually lived on the very edge of society because of the shame that came with what she did. Really, she was one stop short of rejection. And so her house was actually on the right outside of the city and literally built right into the city wall. This meant that it wasn't too far into the city. So Rahab's house was actually a really ideal and strategic location for the spies because they could gather information, they would not have really any questions, she wasn't gonna ask them any questions in return, they didn't have to go far into the city, not many people would have seen them in the first place, and if they did, they would have mistaken them for her visitors. It was a perfect place for a quick escape if they needed to flee the area suddenly. So that is where we pick up reading in Joshua chapter two, starting in verse three. This is what it says. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy on the whole land. So someone finds out that the Israelite spies are in Jericho. Uh, someone hears that they're at, with Rahab at her house and the king sends people to go, go to her home and go capture them. It kind of all seems like it's about to crack wide open. See, stories had been circulating about the Israelites for some time now. But now people knew that they were going to invade Jericho very soon. So they were kind of on high protect mode here. They had heard the news that the God, the God of the Israelites, God's extraordinary power through miracles in their escape from Egypt, through miracles in the wilderness, like the parting of the Red Sea. They were afraid of how the God of the Israelites seemed different than anything they had ever known. So we can assume, as I'm sure the spies did, that Rahab she thinks similarly as they do. She's one of their people. Is she going to turn them in? Could she really be trusted? Verse 4. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yeah, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. But actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. So in the heat of the moment here, Rahab, she hides the spies from her own people in Jericho. She lies to them and says, hey, yeah, they left. They were here. I didn't really know who they were. They left. They went somewhere else. Go find them. But even in that moment, how, how, did, the, how did they not know that they were there? It says she hid them on her roof in bundles of flax. Flax was harvested in the fields and it was piled really high and stored on the rooftops to dry. But the thing about it is that it grew to about three to four feet high. So because it was stacked on the roof in bundles, it made an excellent place for the spies to hide. 
There was no way they were going to be able to find them in all of that, let alone on the roof. And they didn't. They left. They were safe. And they were not found. So the officials, they, they leave the house. And we see that Rahab, what Rahab has to say in verse 11. She says to the spies, For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heaven, above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and your family, in my family, since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we'll keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Living on the wall, we know that Rahab, like we know that Rahab does, she was especially vulnerable and susceptible to any kind of attack that would hit the city. Anything that would happen would get to her first. That's just how it was. That's why she lived there as a member of society who was low on the societal hierarchy. So she asked the Israelites in this moment, after the, the officials leave, that when they soon take over the city, that they would spare her life, that they would spare her family's life in return for sparing their lives. And so she asked them if this partnership really could be continued. And they happily promised that to her. I don't know about you, but I feel like I kind of need a nap uh, after going through this story. It's one of suspense. It's one of excitement. You kind of like don't really know what's going to happen next. And this is all true. It's a really cool story. But one of the things that I love most about it is that the main character is not who you would ever expect it to be. The hero of faith in this story is not the spies. It's not Joshua, it's Rahab. Rahab, who had really kind of the triple whammy working against her. She was a pagan, she was a Canaanite, and she was a prostitute. This is not the typical individual to be the faithful hero in the story of God and in the work of his people. One of the many things I love about our God is that he goes before us. He sees things we don't see. He orchestrates things in ways that are so beyond our human understanding. So he redirects the spies to Rahab's house at the very moment that they're there because he believed that her heart could be open to him. And he believed that she had the ability to be instrumental in the Israelite victory over Jericho. And sure enough, in faith, she says yes. And she becomes a hero of the faith. So what I want to do in the rest of our time together is pull out three different things we see about Rahab, about her faith, about how she responds to this, this situation. Three things that we can take and learn from, from her leadership here. Number one, Rahab responds in faith, not with a fight. Not with a fight. I'm sure that she shared the general fearful mood that of the Israelites, like the rest of Jericho's population. She heard the stories. 
She knew what was happening. She wasn't ignorant or naive to what was going on between these two groups. Jericho was ready to fight. They were ready to go to battle with the Israelite people. But instead of fighting with the spies, she actually responded in faith. Instead of challenging and pushing back against their God, she actually turned towards their God. So we see this, this faith developing, not because she said something or used her words or relied on a God she had always trusted in for her whole life. We see her faith here by her responding to a God she really knew. We see her faith through the actions of what she did. We see her faith through the change that took place in her life. She recognized Something that many of the Israelites, God's own people, didn't recognize in the wilderness for 40 years. That the God of heaven and the God of the Israelites was no ordinary God. She recognized that he was all-powerful, that he was all-knowing, and he was unlike anything she had ever seen. She recognized him as the one true God who could be trusted. And we're acknowledging who God, who God really was like scared of the people of Israel or I'm sorry, scared of the people of Jericho. Like they were scared of all that he was doing. And because of it, they were caused to fight him and fight it. Rahab responded in faith. She didn't fight the power of God. She had faith in the power of God. And she quickly became a hero in God's greater narrative because of it. The reality is, just like the Lord was revealed to Rahab, he also reveals himself to us. We hear God's word. We see how he's working in our life. We know what he tells us to do. We know how he commands us to do things and try to treat people. And when God's voice and his plan is revealed to us in many different ways, we have two options. We can either fight against it or respond in faith. We can either fight the power of God or have faith in the power of God. So as you think about your life, your relationships, and your decisions... Which one do you do? Number two. The cost of her faith was greater than the risk. The cost of her faith was greater than the risk. Whether it's that we're buying something, doing something, going somewhere, committing to something, we weigh the cost of it, don't we? Before we say yes to something, we take a detailed look of what is it going to cost us? At least we should do that anyway. And the cost of Rahab responding in faith by hiding the spies was a huge one. We have to understand that like by doing this, her life was on the line. If she had been caught hiding the Israelite spies in her own house from the people of Jericho, she would have been killed. It was that serious. So the reality is she risked her own life to save them. She sacrificed herself to help them. The cost was so great, but it was irrelevant 
And it was worth it to her. Acting in faith was greater than the cost or the sacrifice. It was greater than her fears. It was greater than the risks. It was greater than the consequences that might come with it. Rahab was willing to literally risk everything for a God she barely knew because he was working in her life in a way that people couldn't see it. Maybe she couldn't even understand. And by putting her faith in this God who got her attention, she had courage to hide the spies from the authorities, even knowing her choices were so dangerous. And even though they were serious consequences for her actions, she took the risk in faith because she realized that the Israelites had faith in a God who was worth trusting no matter the risk. The risk was worth it to her. As you think about your life, your relationships, your decisions, what is your faith costing you? In certain situations, do, do you weigh the cost of being faithful in your relationship with Jesus? Or like Rahab, is the cost really irrelevant because you trust in your God? Number three, Rahab's present no longer looked like her past. Rahab's life in the present didn't look like her life in the past. The decision that she made to save God's people was a different decision than all the other decisions that she used to make. There was a clear contrast between this was the present, this was the past. So because of that, it didn't matter who she used to be. It didn't matter what she used to be like. God gave her an opportunity to step into something new, a new role with new purposes and new plans. He offers her the chance to step into something different, to stop living the way she was living and doing the things that she was doing. In the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, there's a chapter where the writer talks about faith and it lists the heroes of the Christian faith to encourage us in our faith walk. It mentions people like Moses and Joseph and Noah. And in Hebrews 11.31, another name is mentioned. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had been given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab is listed here as a person, a main character, and a hero of faith. But she didn't look like the rest of the group. Because when we think of heroes of faith, we think of people who had great confidence in God throughout their life. In the Bible, people like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Paul. In our lives, people that we know have a deep relationship with Jesus, who hear his voice, who walk with him daily. But Rahab? She's not part of the nation of Israel. She wasn't without sin and mistakes. Well, that may be true. But it was also true that her present didn't look like her past anymore. Maybe you have a present that doesn't look like your past. We can celebrate that. Maybe you want a present that doesn't look like your past. In reality, we all should be striving for that. But when our hearts are open to what Jesus wants to do in our lives, he can restore redirect and redo 
anything and anyone. He can take what's broken and make it whole. He can take what's in bondage and set it free. And he can take what is dead and give it new life. Rahab responded in faith. She didn't respond with a fight. The cost of her faith was so worth the risk. And her present no longer looked like her past. The good news is all of those things can be true for us too. But they're not just going to happen. And they're not just going to be random. We have to boldly, confidently, and genuinely say yes to whatever God wants to do in us. And it's then that we, too, can be a hero of faith in God's greater narrative. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starlingland Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.com.